Martin Jarmick created the installation The Final Image in 2019 for the Jack Straw New Media Gallery. When you first walk into the gallery space, you hear sounds. So you are experiencing a soundscape. And that's the first thing I think that will confront you. Probably a millisecond later, as your eyes adjust to the room, you'll notice that there's a handful of kind of, they look like stations. So you'll look around and you'll see first these large panoramic prints. And then there's also a pedestal with some headphones and another array of images that's there and a video monitor. And in the center of the room, there is a headset. If somebody happens to be wearing the headset, experiencing the VR component of the work. And there's a bench to the side also with a monitor that is showing what the person in the VR experience is seeing. So if you come in and, you're, and you wanna have a go at the VR and you wanna wait, you can also sit and watch the experience happen from somebody else's perspective. When you first walk in there, you will experience these sort of separate elements. And as you go through the elements, you'll start to find connections and they will become more sort of integrated as components of one experience as well. The work is presented in a way you can enter into it by experiencing any one of those components first. The ideal situation is that somebody would make their way around in any direction towards the listening station and start there. Because in a lot of ways, that's where the soul of the piece exists, is in these audio stories. As we're listening to the audio stories on headphones, or we're viewing the images that are at that station. We start to form a relationship between these voice pros and the image content. And um, we start to get a sense of the level of abstraction. Um, we start to get a sense of the language that I'm working in. I sat down with Martin in the Jack Straw studio to talk about his process and inspirations for this installation. He explores concepts of memory, agency, and grief through virtual reality, video and audio storytelling, and photography. Can you talk to me a little bit about the inspiration behind the piece, this idea, or these ideas of memory and agency and environment? Those ideas of memory and agency, environment, specifically in this piece, they're coming from a lot of different places, I think. But for this work, I have my own personal history where I've had to resolve demons. And, you know, learning techniques to be able to navigate my past and open doors when 
I need to and close doors when I need to. Having some sort of control over who I am, who I was, and who I want to become in the future. In the beginning of the piece, we hear we are guided through a meditation. And that sets up a context for the viewer that says, okay, you are participating in a cognitive exercise. This experience, visual and sonic experience that you're gonna have has a therapeutic context. Close your eyes and breathe deeply. Let the air clear your mind. The breath expands the space, sweeps the debris, and settles your thoughts. Observe your mind working. Let it create. It does this without you, within you. There's a certain amount of discovery that you're going to have to make. And it is reflective of my own process of discovery. You know, who was I? Why was I that way? And how is it possible that I've become this other thing? And we all have that. We all look back at, you know, even just say our 20s or something like, um, or our teens or however old you are. We all look back and we say, oh my gosh, like how did I, what was I thinking? Or how do I get back to that place? When I experienced the peace, I got a lot of grief. Do you experience grief in this piece or was there grief? Was that part of the makeup of the piece for you or do you think it's a result? Yeah, I think that this piece is a lot about grieving. And there's several sort of levels to the work. And grief is definitely on one of the lower levels of it, you know, uh, as far as like it's a foundational component to the work. Um, and one of the more direct signs of grieving in the work is this the monologues. You hear this character talking about loss of home. And that is a universal grief for everybody and for me personally. And there's a lot that goes into loss of home. There's, of course, the home is a, a site of extreme intimacy and personal foundation. It also, there's a sort of political component to loss of home. And frankly, this work is partly about, you know, like one, one thing that we're, we're experiencing in Seattle is that there is a lot of loss of home. So I, I moved away last year, um, but every time I come back, it's very different. And the this town is very different. There's certain parts of myself that are missing, that are going away. And it seems like in a lot of ways, it's a force that's unstoppable. Nobody can really do anything about it. And maybe nobody really wants to do anything about it. So specifically in my case, my home is constantly changing. The place that I grew up is shifting and changing in a way that is 
ceaseless um, and impossible to stop. And so my desire to stop it and my acceptance of this ongoing change, that's the grief. That's the grieving process. Where are you living now? I live uh, right outside of Philadelphia. Are you calling Philadelphia home now? No, not necessarily. I think that I'm discovering that home is is not a place for me. <laughs> um, and it might be at some point, but I have yet to truly feel at home or at least a home defined by like a place mm. or an environment. When I feel at home, I'm with my family. Those are the moments that that's home. Rubble. Ruin. Wood and dust and metal. Concrete. Cracked slabs and boards leaning, shredded. Gravel. Weeds, puddles. Mounds lay wrapped and lumped. Piles. My home devoured. A nightmare where everyone, everything turns its back. Flips inside out, familiar just enough to let me in. I notice that in the piece there are at least three different voices that are happening. In the VR work, you hear two voices. One is the voice of this therapist kind of character that's guiding the meditation in the beginning. Um, and you hear her again at the end for a brief moment. But the primary voice is um, you hear one primary voice doing the monologues, and then those that voice content is also broken up and heard in the interactive spaces. For the exhibition, I decided to bring in some recordings that I did during the process of making the work. And during the process of sort of trying to discover the work. Mm -hmm. There's another male voice, and then there's this other female story as well. I brought those in to kind of diversify the work in some ways, to add variants there, to add context, and to color the exhibition with sort of more stories or deeper deeper narrative. I noticed that there was diversity of tone and diversity of gender in those voices. And also with some of the images, I started to notice also diversity of color and age and things like that. And I'm wondering if you can say a little bit about how that came about. Part of that is personal because I grew up in a diverse environment in South Seattle. And when I create a world, as in this world um, that you're seeing in the exhibition, I want to bring that diversity that I am familiar with into that world, regardless of whether there is diversity in the world outside of the world I'm creating, in reality or not. So there is that, on one hand, I do like to say, so 
the main actor in the work, Terrence Kelly, who I know and is a wonderful man. And his wife, Angela Kelly, um, also is one of the voice actors in the work. And on one hand, I chose him because I know him. <laughs> He's very talented. <laughs> so it's like whoever's closest has time and who do I know that will work cheap, <laughs> right? So there's I, – I like to say that, right? But I'm also – when I say that, I'm avoiding – the fact that, of course, I want to integrate diversity of what we're seeing, the kind of people that we're seeing into my work. Of course, there's that because I had access to other actors too. So yes, um, it, it comes from partly from me personally. It also is – in some ways, a statement about trying to build this world that is full of people different from myself because I'm still trying to find myself and I find myself through all of these other people. But yes, it's really important to me and I think to art that there is a diversity of people ages, genders, gray areas, cultures and races, all of these things that make living with other humans exciting. I think that that is an important thing to bring into art and represent. Because this piece involves a lot of other artists, other collaborators, um, from your voiceover artists to your engineers to the photographers. The the yeah, can you talk about that collaboration with all of these people? Sure. It's one thing that actually drew me into, or still it draws me towards VR, is a lot like cinema in that it has a lot of parts to it. And I get to work with people. And I get to respond to what people contribute. So when I started this piece, the final image, one of the first things that got me excited about working on it was when I started to do these vocal recordings here at, actually at Jack Straw with Terrence. And I started to listen to those voice recordings he was reading my text, bringing things to life. I started to listen to those and I started to chop them up a little bit and compose them a little bit. And that's where I started to get ideas. And so the work, as far as like being a collaborative, it's necessary. It's actually the work depends on the people that I work with. And so part of my role is as like a producer. There's places where I have definite more like traditional authorship, right? So I, I'm writing the text. I'm directing the actors as they read. I'm directing the actors as they perform in the um, on the location shoots and things like that. But I'm very much responding to what they're bringing. And I rely on their talents. Um, I've had a lot of help. My collaborator, Andrew, 
who's a uh, programmer, he himself has made art before. He understands art. And I mean, I'm completely dependent on him to make the work function properly. I really love working with this new technology because it really does allow us to sort of enter into an image in a new way. But there is a lot of technical stuff that goes into just getting a scene built and then having it programmed to do stuff and kind of all the functionality. So when I start to work with actors and or they're performing or they're doing readings and things, that feedback is so immediate. I'm able to respond to them right away. I can hear it. It's visceral. It's There's textures there that are very human. There's variations that are, you know, improvised and there's just so much going on there that's exciting to me, unpredictable. When I'm working with heavy tech, it's hard to get that feedback. Sometimes it takes three days to build something and then to hit go and get a result. So that's part of why I'm bringing in a lot of like voice and photographic material is because I... Um, I love that texture, that immediate textural feedback and that responding to real spaces. When I started to work with VR, it was in 2015. A lot of the technology is created for gaming. And the work, the final image, the VR work actually lives online on Steam, which is a game distribution platform. And it doesn't fit there. And I've had complaints from people on Steam that have said, this is not a game or what is this thing that we're doing when I put this content on Steam? Technically, it's a piece of software that works with Steam. So technically, it fits there. It, you can put it up there. They approved it. I can create a sort of um, publicity model around it on Steam, and it's an actually a really wonderful platform for the final image to live because people can access it pretty directly through their VR headset on Steam. But then in a lot of ways, there's a tension because it is not like what people are experiencing. It sort of – it more belongs in a context like at Jack Straw where – people are coming in prepared to see art and not necessarily uh, play a game or see some a form of entertainment. Can you say more about what it's been like to record here and to put it in yeah. our space here in the new media gallery? You know, and it's great. Jack Straw provides a room they say, okay, you get to have this room and it's got some outlets in it so you can plug stuff in. It's got a sound system and it's got this group of really great people who are excited that you're there and they want to help you do things. So it's really quite a positive experience as far as, you know, being an artist, trying to show work, trying to have some sort of solo exhibition where you can just focus on one person's work for an extended period of time. This 
new media gallery provides an opportunity um, to really discover where we're going next. And that's really one of the main benefits that I feel, at least artistically, that this opportunity here um, at Jack Straw has given me. Also, when I've recorded, like, for instance, voiceover recording, you know, the studio here is incredible as far as um, you can come in and there's you can get really great recordings. Before, I was doing my own recordings. And they sounded good, and I know enough about that process in order to get good recordings and to um, get usable content. But as I'm listening to them do their recordings, when I'm I, I'm worrying about so many other things, like just technical things, that it's hard sometimes to listen to to give direction, performance direction. So when I record it in the studio, I really can just stand back in some ways and make sure that I can respond purely just to the performance and concentrate and focus and listen to the performance. That's huge. Martin Jarmick's installation, The Final Image, was created through the Jackstraw New Media Gallery Residency Program. Produced by Levi Fuller and Joel Maddox. Engineered by Joel Maddox and Ayesha Ubiatilaka. Podcast interviewer is Alyssa Keene. The Jackstraw New Media Gallery Program was founded in 1999 by Jackstraw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. The program is made possible with support from the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Additional support for this exhibit provided by DX Arts. You can subscribe to this and other Jackstraw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>